0: listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is
1: National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy
0: information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org.
1: Good morning. I'm John Ellsworth, the founder of Success Strategies Incorporated and creator of the Success Strategies Advantage. And I want to uh, welcome you to today's podcast that I'm, we are doing for Dairy Business News. And I have guest today, a longtime client of mine for over 20 years, Paul Danbaum from uh, Brindero and Danbaum Dairy in Hillmar, California. Paul and I are going to be talking about some of the challenges that all dairymen are facing today, particularly in the areas of cash flow, manure management, trying to keep costs under control, and probably two or three other things that may pop up in our discussion. But I want to welcome you to today's presentation. I'll start off by asking uh, Paul, Paul, if you would, maybe you could tell our audience what is, uh, what's the biggest challenge you're facing today? Well, John,
0: it's always a uh, pleasure to be able to meet with you. 20 years of working together, um, we've definitely seen a lot of obstacles and and overcome them. Uh, I think we are headed back into that kind of mindset right now. Um, looks like 2023 is going to be um, a rough year. Uh, there's no easy way around it. I would say that As of right now, of course, we always have a handful of little issues. There's nothing we can do with the little issues. We're always going to have small issues. As my late partner used to say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And we're definitely heading into a section that's not easy. But, you know, these times of challenges, we also need to keep our head up and we need to stay situationally aware because sometimes challenges breed opportunities, and it might be, it might give us an opportunity to maybe buy some basis, expand the herd, expand the ranch, things like that. You know, even, even when things are negative, I think we still have to keep our eyes wide open and try to stay positive. But that being said, single handedly, the biggest issue we have today is lack of profitability. Um, hopefully, it's a short term issue. But with feed costs of where they're at and milk income where it's at, it's just impossible to break even unless you have some, some type of milk contracted or something like that, which some of us do. That is my biggest challenge today is we're, just, um, we're actually in an equity burn situation for, for a couple months. And I think it was accelerated by the just out of control inflation which no one seems to admit that's going on. For example, I, uh, I sent one of my mechanics to the store on uh, Friday, and I knew I knew that these blades on this particular mower, they usually run about 97 cents a piece. And so I, I sent my mechanic to the store. And I said, yeah, I just get a case. It should be about 100 bucks. Mechanic comes back and he says, hey, boss, those uh, those blades were three hundred and thirty dollars, and I said, well, "What the heck are you talking about?" So I called the store and I said, "Hey, what's going on?" Or what you know? And they informed me that no, nope, a year and a half ago, those blades were right around a buck a piece, and since then, they've actually gone uh, to like three dollars and twenty three cents or something. I don't think that everyone fully grasps. The inflationary costs of what it's costing to do business
1: right now. I I would agree, and that's interesting. Uh, I as I as you've heard me jokingly say before, my goodness, good thing we don't have any inflation. <laughs> we yeah. See some of these costs going up, and you know what? In tracking clients, including yours, um, monthly, year-to-date cash flow analysis, it's incredible to see the. The degree to which a lot of these costs, repairs and maintenance, and supplies to some extent, but repairs and maintenance, what it costs to get, if you can get something repaired at all, or get someone to come out and repair it, uh, it's really monumental, the increase that we've seen over the last few years. I'm not blaming anybody in particular, but I agree with you that it's something that we need to recognize and take into account. And I think that's the benefit of... You and I've talked about this for a long time. the benefit of if we measure something like cash flow every month, if we measure it, we can understand it. We understand that we can then control it better. And of course, if you can control it, you can then improve it. So and your operations has come a long way in that in that um, in those measurements. When you think about, though the benefits of tracking cash flow regularly, Let's talk about diversification, you've done a pretty good job with your operation we've been able to implement some diversification into trees and some uh the, and you might even talk about manure management and what you've been able to export in terms of manure things like that.
0: A couple of years ago we started uh, we started to diversify into almonds we put about a quarter of our total farming acres into almonds that has been positive. However, by the time we service the debt that it costs to put those trees in and stuff, I wouldn't say we're, we're not reaping the rewards that we wanted, but we have had a lot of kind of unforeseen um, positives. So um, one thing that I've noticed with the diversification is it's allowed me to flow my labor a lot easier. Because I have my one employee that works in that is dedicated to the orchards, but also when we get busy chopping, I can put him in the scale or I can send him to go disc for five or six days when we're really bound up. This summer on uh, days where it's too hot for him to work in the orchard, I plan on taking him to the dairy and I'm going to have him just chisel the heifer and cow pins to keep the fly populations under control. What it's kind of done is it's kind of, it's given us another another man on the ranch that we can move from task to task to task. The sure. other neat thing is having all those almonds, it's given us a way to, um, in the winter time, a lot of our winter crops are planted, and we got nowhere to go with dry manure. However, we're putting a lot of compost onto the trees in the wintertime which is a really neat tool in our tool chest because it allows us to export dry manure off the ranch year round because we can spread it on the orchard. And the winter time is actually an ideal time to spread that compost so that that way you don't have any contamination in the harvest season. So I would say that's probably been one advantage. Um, the other advantage is I feel like it's, another feather or another jewel in our crown when it comes to dealing with bankers, when they, when the bank sits down and looks at our operation, we're not just a dairy farm. We're a dairy farm. We're an almond farm. We're a corn farm. You know, we raise our heifers in house. We're, uh, you know, by doing a lot of this, you know, by that diversification, I feel like it changes the tone the bank has with
1: us. Yeah. I would agree. I think, you and I have experienced uh, a lot of growth in in your bank relationships. And yes, um, yes, talk about that. What what you're feeling on bank relationships? We started, you know, we started from a fairly negative position 20 years ago, and I feel like we've come a long way in your banking relationships. And we've gotten really good support from, particularly from Yosemite Farm Credit. Uh, they've done a great job for us been there when we needed them as you said in the tough times they've stuck with us and and we both they and you have both flourished during the really good times
0: I I think back to the first time that we met John and I'll kind of get I'll kind of get into that so our our relationship it started off I was 23 years old my uncle Jim was 72 and me and him walked into that the Yosemite farm credit and said, well, boys, we're going to my grandfather's going to retire. We're going to buy him out and uh, we're going to need about a three million dollar loan. And they looked at us like, oh, God. <laughs> but luckily, because here's a 23 year old kid straight out of college and a 72 year old man that should have been heading to enjoy his golden years were, you know, wanting to, to, to take on his farming operation luckily yosemite farm credit from the get-go saw that there was an opportunity there but knew we just needed to kind of polish that gym a little bit and that's where they hooked us up with you john and said okay here's what we have we have a family that's getting ready to make the generational jump they have no clue how to make the generational jump we can't even fully help them they were smart enough to team us up with you now as that went on through the years, we had a good relationship. But I mm-hmm. think what's yes. pivotal in our relationship with them is there were years when we struggled, especially around 09, even into uh, 2016 to 2018. We're headed back into another one of those cycles right now. I think what has kept our relationship positive is we've continued to deliver what we've promised. So at the beginning of the year, we're not walking in there hat in hand and saying, well, boys, we didn't hit our mark. We're going to need a little bit more money. What we do is we've delivered them for 20 years, a set of cash flows, preliminary cash flows. And gosh, darn it, John, we've pretty much hit that mark. And and so it really, it it means a lot because you've built those cash flows and we've been able to hit them, but also as a company, we've hit those production thresholds and we've delivered. And so now when we go in there and say, well, boys, we need $2 million to buy out the rest of the family. It's not a big deal. They're like, yep, no problem. Hey, we're going to need another 600,000 to build another freestall barn and milk another 300 Mm -hmm. cows. Yep. Not a problem. It's because we have 20 years of delivering on promises. California Bioenergy is a leading developer of dairy digesters in America. With more than 100 projects, over 50 of them operational, CalBio has the expertise to help your dairy generate revenue by capturing methane and creating renewable vehicle fuels. Founded by a dairy farmer, CalBio considers itself the most dairy-focused digester developer building systems to last generations, along with your existing family-owned operation. Now expanding with its subsidiaries, Northwest, Midwest, and Southwest Bioenergy, CalBio is ready to serve you. To learn more about how a CalBio digester could benefit your dairy, manure, and wallet, visit them at calbioenergy.com.
1: Tell the audience a little bit about the highs and lows, the pluses and minuses of the manure Development of the manure management and the composting process and AMMP, so it's Alternative Manure Management Program, that has helped us uh, on the funding side. But talk about the process a little bit of the highs and lows of that, because a lot of people are interested in that in this audience at Dairy Business, and I think it would be helpful to them to understand that there's some really good things, but there's also some challenges associated with it as well.
0: The good thing about the AMP program is for our operation, it was a step, it was a major step forward. Yeah. And it was a project that we could not have funded internally, Sure. Um, not because we didn't want to, but if we look at wise use of money, then we would, you know, we would probably have built another freestall barn instead of doing that. Because, you know, when when we have limited funds, like all farming families do, you're going to spend those funds on your maximum return. And it was honestly not a maximum return item. What I did not anticipate was the amount of compost that comes off of that separator. What happened was we finished that project right around 2019. As we finished that project, the fertilizer prices skyrocketed and they took off. But what we found out was that we were able to replace almost half of our nitrogen use with the increased compost from the separator. What it allowed was branches that were getting allowed us to spread more nitrogen and more compost even on the far ranches. So it it allowed us better utilization of, of all of our tools. There was a lot of the the unforeseen, the unforeseen benefit was definitely uh, as we got into the COVID years, we were able to sidestep a lot of that very expensive fertilizer uh, and replace it with our organic uh, fertilizer. The one negative side, though, is the increase to the property taxes. Mm-hmm. I didn't anticipate that. And, you, you know, when you have to realize it's almost a $700,000 project. And I'm not kidding you, three months after we were done and we fired it up, the county showed up out here with their measuring tape and they were measuring concrete and uh, couldn't wait to give those new tax bills out. But that's their job. That's what they do. And uh, that would be the only downside was I didn't anticipate the, that, that level, but the benefits far outweigh the drawbacks.
1: Talk about, tell the audience about your something we've worked on. I know you and I have worked on this uh, with your nutritionist, Danny Aguida. We've spent a lot of time managing, if you will, the heifer to cow ratio in your dairy operation. Maybe maybe talk about that a little bit. And I I think we're probably what around 80, 80 to 85% heifers to cows right now. So
0: our heifer to cow ratio... And, and us keeping an eye on it, is definitely a salute to our nutritionist, Danny Aguida. Danny Aguida is, and, and um, I believe his his company name is Dairy Strategies. If you have a nutritionist like Danny Aguida, it makes life a lot better. And just like you have that relationship with your bank, you have to have a good relationship with your nutritionist. And for the better part of 15 years, Danny Aguita has made suggestions and we have followed them. And I can honestly say having him on, a, on our management team is probably in the top five decisions we've made as a group, John.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is a
0: complete asset. That being said, um, Danny is very finicky about our heifer ratios because the problem with heifers and this is really the problem. It, it, it's amplified in high feed costs like we have right now. I mean, so. it just tur- turn the volume up because it just gets sure. worse. But what happens is if you let that heifer ratio get out of control, I believe we're at about 84% heifers to cows. I think that's kind of right around where we're at. Quite frankly, if we were even one-to-one, so so you think about your your dairy like a race car and you think about what creates drag and, and you try to streamline things and sure. what happens are heifers are 100 drag on your finances the bigger your, your your heifer program gets it starts to create that drag on the whole thing and those milk cows have to pull that you know what i mean they're having to pull that race car that much harder because the drag those heifers are making sure so if you decrease those heifer numbers and then you narrow down behind the cows, it makes that the the cow pool a lot easier.
1: And I would second what you said, Paul. And I, I I think also historically, I think a lot of dairymen, farmers in particular, feel that the heifers would be an asset that I've got that if I ever need to liquidate it. But the problem is. If you sold them today, you might be selling them at a loss because, as you said, all the high fee costs that you plugged into them, you know, in growing them properly and stuff like that. So it's a little different game. And i that's why I asked you that question, because I know you and I have focused, and Danny, have focused very closely on that, making sure that we don't get overloaded. When we were growing, of course, your operation from 400 cows to, you know, 900 cows, it was a little different. Uh, but the feed costs were way different then too, yep. And just the fact that feed costs are so high, as you said, you could almost go on and say, Hey, I can buy them cheaper than I can feed them genetics aside. That is a valid point. I think the, uh,
0: I think you brought up a good point and nothing breeds, you, you know, nothing breeds wisdom, like experience, but <laughs> okay. So here's the thing is we went into 08, we had a great breeding program. And so we got heavy on the heifers. And but we were growing, so we didn't think anything about it. We got into 09 and we were looking for cash flow streams and this and that. And we said, you know what? We're heavy on heifers. I think we're about 80, 70 to 80 heifers heavy. Let's go ahead and liquidate the groups that are the heaviest so that we just have enough for replacements. John, we liquidated, I think it was 80 head. And at the end of the day, by the time we paid the sales yard. The trucking and everything, I believe we pocketed right around $32,000. It wasn't, we probably lost half the money on what we had in those heifers. And the way this heifer market is right now, I think that you can definitely buy them down the road, ready to calve, cheaper than trying to raise them yourself. And it's not just raising them yourself. It's the extra wear and tear on the feed wagon. It's the extra employees. One thing that we do with the heifers is we well, we raise our calves in-house. So we're not really finicky about raising them from you know from the bottle to about three months, but we call those heifers real heavy. If we see any belly rumens, if we see any slight limp, anything that could be a problem as those heifers become cows. Man, we call them right on the spot. We don't even think twice about keeping them around.
1: Tell the audience a little bit about your experience with Dairy Revenue Protection, the DRP program, and maybe also the dairy margin coverage, which we right now we feel pretty blessed that we've, I think every one of my clients is, is uh, involved in uh, the Dairy Margin Coverage program for 2023, but also, and many of them are also using the Dairy Revenue Protection. I know you've been pretty involved with that. Well, we were we were very
0: fortunate.
1: We uh, we have a good we have uh,
0: good advisors out there. We work with Brian Lewis uh, on our forward contracting. Um, I have a very tight team. Uh, Danny Aguida, my nutritionist, is very involved with the forward contracting. One of the things that the DRP uh, two times has really saved me um, during COVID. I happened to have class four DRP that train wreck came out of nowhere because of the DRP. We were able to mitigate that that downturn. So it really saved us there. And then currently we have about 50% of our milk on DRP and we're getting some pretty good premiums back from that. However, that's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's also after COVID for almost 12 or 13 months straight, we did nothing but pay premiums and receive nothing. When DRP kind of got started, it was a, supposed to be a good tool to help dairymen mitigate the risk. But what happened has happened in the last two years, our premiums have skyrocketed so much, it's almost priced itself out of, out of the market. You know, currently we still have a little bit, but we're about ready to be uncovered and we're gonna face the next couple of months. And we would have had coverage had it been more affordable, but when you're looking at almost a dollar fifty, dollar $1. sixty, a hundred weight costs, man, we, we just we just couldn't make that commitment internally. Um, so, and, and I've actually had a couple meetings in the last month with some of the the people at the DRP have come out and, and spoke to me, and, and I told them, I said, "You guys just priced yourself out of the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't. The, the, those premiums are just a too they're too expensive."
1: Well, and I think when you look at those, you have to keep in mind, and you know this already, <laughs> that sometimes it's hard to absorb it, but it's kind of like having house insurance. If our house doesn't burn down, we don't call the insurance company up and give them heck because we paid so much premium and didn't collect. Yeah. So I think it's it's a trade-off there, and you're right. You need to do two things. can Can you afford the premium? Does it make sense, as you said? But I think also... Just, and you and I have this because of doing the cash flow analysis every month, knowing what levels we need to be at. I don't, when you look at the dairy revenue protection or the dairy margin coverage program, I don't see how anyone can logically figure out what level, price level to establish on milk, for example, without knowing what their costs are and what their break-even levels are. But I think what, and the dairy margin coverage you've been on that this year is going to look to be a real blessing to have
0: yeah i think i've used the dairy margin coverage now for about four years i don't think there's been ever a period where it's not paid um i don't remember any anything and 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 i and i believe it was 2019 that we actually received a very over a hundred thousand in payments from the dmc and we're definitely headed down that track again this year
1: We we sort of wish we were getting it in a different format, like in milk checks instead. But oh, um, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Better
1: better to get it here than not on the on the DMC program, the dairy margin coverage. Instead of not getting it at all, of course. What else would you? Any other wins you want to talk about? Things that are maybe new ideas you we've been looking at.
0: We're in expansion mode out here. You know, we're looking at some of these uh, increased costs and just, you know, how much it costs to do business now, I, it's it's really fueling our want to expand. So currently, we're building another freestall barn. And the whole idea behind that is because the newer barns are easier to maintain than the older barns, we're trying to milk more cows with the same amount of employees. That's why we're moving headfirst into the freestall barn. And um, not only that is, but we're about half the way done with our milk barn remodel the new tanks and wash up systems are almost done uh, and then we're hoping within the next year to start on the milk barn we're trying to build a faster milk barn we're trying to de- uh, hoping that the increased cows we can milk will offset what we're going to pay the bank that and then we're also moving forward for the digest we are uh, we are breaking ground in November of 2023 on our digester. Though it's not free, there's a lot of grants out there to help it, and okay. we're looking at making a 20 you know a 20 year income stream on the backside.
1: Sure, another form of diversification, if you will. Another
0: form of diversification, but not only does it give us an income stream from the gas, but it also increases our manure management and flush quality. So we're looking at the secondary, uh, secondary wins.
1: Well, I think we've had a great discussion, Paul. I, I appreciate, as always, our discussions, and I'm sure the audience at Dairy Business News uh, will certainly benefit from this uh, recording, and I certainly hope they will. And of course, uh, they can reach out to either one of us at any time. We're We're not like public figures, but we'd be happy to try to answer any questions that people might have. So I want to thank you for your time today. And uh, on behalf of the audience and Dairy Business News, I'm John Ellsworth with Success Strategies. We've been live with Paul Danbaum, a dairyman from Hillmar, California. I hope you've enjoyed the presentation. I hope you find the information helpful. Thank you.